This is the happy hour. You guys going to happy hour? Live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. Yeah, I'll maybe I'll come for a couple. Here are your hosts, Nick Sainert. I want to know what it's like to commit a crime without having to spend time in jail. And Enrique Alvarez Cleary. C is for chunk. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Good afternoon. Happy Monday. This is the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Nick Sainert and Enrique Alvarez-Clary with you today. Hello, Rico. Hello. How's it going, man? It's going pretty uh, pretty good. Pretty how good. Was, how was the weekend? The weekend was great. I saw Spoderman. I know you did. Oh, um, my gosh. I want to talk about it so bad, but I'm giving people at least a month. Oh, a month. I give people more time than others do. Wow. That's generous, actually, to give each to give everybody a month. It, I, I public disclaimer: if I'm out of breath, I just got done eating half of an honest Abe's burger. Downing a burger, it's only half gone. So we will finish it in the commercial break. We'll approach the here. rest of the burger later. Yes, absolutely. Um, first time having honest Abe's, so yeah, we uh, we're gonna try it. What do you think? It's very of good. The half a burger the that first, you ate the first, extremely fast. First three bites were very good. Okay, but. Um, 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Sutter Heyman Text Line, both those open for you, the whole show, which... We have news. Today and every day until next Tuesday, the happy hour becomes the happy hours. Happy hours. Plural. Two hours. So, you get me and Rico for two hours every single day from two to four, and you're saying why? Because... DP is on vacation, um, a much-needed vacation for the the boss man, and so he's uh, gone. In New York. Yes, that's right. He is in New York. So he is gone. We get um, to do two to four every single day. I'll still be hanging out from four to six with Jay, but we'll kind of have rotating guys in there. I think Tom is there from four to six today. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow, it's me and Rico and Jay for two to, from basically two to six. You get me and Nick. From two to six, and then I guess we throw Jay Foreman in there for a couple hours. Yeah, the the better, the more important man. I, I don't believe that. You don't, but I. I don't believe I, that. I would say that. I think we're pretty important to Jay. I th- I don't think Jay could do this radio thing on his own. You want to? I want to see Jay try and work this board. Hey, turn my mic on. I want to see. Turn my, see, I see Jay, Jay come Jay. up with some talking points. <laughs> turn my mic on, man. <laughs> Jay, Jay, you're in charge of the mic. You're Let's in see. Charge, we'll Jay. see what happens tomorrow. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna text him today. I'm gonna tell him he's in charge of all the talking points for tomorrow. So he's got to come up with everything. You you text him, and then I'll tell him the same thing at four o'clock when he shows up today, and just be like, Jay. So what are we talking about tomorrow? Exactly. That's, That's what we're doing. We're putting Jay in charge. <laughs> so if the gonna, show is great tomorrow, you can blame Jay. He's going to open up the show and be like, Yo, what's up? It's Jay Foreman. Um, I got Rico and Nick. Hello. That's it. What do we want to talk about today, guys? <laughs> So, a w- little bit of a, a fluid schedule for the next week and a half or so, but it's going to be a, a fun week. There's plenty of stuff to talk about, at least today. Like I said, 402-464-5685. 
We're having comments on Honest Abe's on the text line. Dude, it's um, delicious. But the Honda Lincoln Hotline, Starter Heyman text line, both those open for you, as well as the Starter Heyman Jewelers video stream, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube, um, as well as Twitter, Nick underscore Saner and at Radio Rico AC. Plenty of stuff to get to today. Uh, just kind of a, a walkthrough of what we're going to be talking about a little bit is the Chicago Bulls, still good. It was not just a miraculous run Whatever. Prior to them all entering the protocol. The New York Knicks, still bad. It was yes. just a miraculous run last season. That's a good point. <laughs> um, and they are currently in the protocol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's actually really funny. Um, also, Husker men's basketball. Still bad. Still bad. Not, not Chicago Bulls. There's a parallel between the New York Knicks and Nebraska basketball. There isn't. There's a lot of losses. Well, that's it. That's that's about it. We will we'll dive into that a lot. I have a lot of thoughts on the Knicks. Don't take bad shots. They just mi- miss they em? just play bad defense. Which is, I guess, that would be the parallel. That's with the Nebraska. parallel. Do they make a lot of shots? Uh, they do make a decent amount of shots. They have one person that does well. They have one person that tries to do everything. Unlike Alonzo Verge, he doesn't make okay. a lot of shots. <laughs> yeah, is that where we're? Are we still on that point of Alonzo Verge being the problem? Do you think, Rico? I think some people are because they just see him, you know, putting shots up and, and you know, taking the ball to the hoop and, and thinking, oh, you should have passed out of that. He could have yeah. got something. But the fact of the matter is if he passes out of it, he has no idea if that person is going to make that shot. And honestly, a layup is a lot easier, even with somebody right there, than a three-pointer is currently for Nebraska. Even wide-open three-pointers are very hard for Nebraska yeah. basketball, Nebraska men's basketball currently. It's a very strange occurrence. I would understand, you know, some of the bad shots that they take uh, not going in because, again, they're bad shots. They have somebody in their face. They're trying to create separation with a step back or, or something, and they're really not getting that much separation. But even wide-open jump shots, wide-open threes that they're taking are, are rimming out or, or, or not even coming close. So it's it's strange, and they really need to figure it out. Yeah, it's and, and we, we'll really get into it in the next segment because I, I'm curious, what is the ceiling for Nebraska ball, the, the men's team? Because I'm not sure we know the ceiling on the women's team yet. They have no ceiling. I would agree. It was a glass ceiling, and it's broken. It's broken. It was broke when they beat Creighton. But no, when what's the ceiling for Nebraska ball? What's the what? Now we can reassess. <coughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. Now we can reassess expectations or or realistic um, outcomes for this season. Because before the season, I'll admit it. I was one of the people that said, "Bubble team, baby." NIT this, this, at least. This is a program. Yeah, it's it's a bust if they don't make the NIT. And obviously there are things that they can't control that have happened in terms of injuries with Trey McGowan's, which is a big, big piece. Mm-hmm. You had now Wilhelm Breidenbach, who is now injured. Another just depth there for this season. Down the road, he could play a huge part in this program. Yeah. But for this season, depth and just height. And then... You have things that they can control. Well, you also had the sickness that went through the You're team right. for, yes. I don't know, like three games. Three games they were impacted by sickness. Uh, they still didn't play very well in those three games, even mm-hmm. you know with the sickness. Um, but they had that going around. They couldn't control that. Yeah, so there have been things that they can't control that have happened. However, on the flip side, there's also a pretty lengthy list of things that they can control that have gone poorly. Effort, effort, shooting, um, and, and sometimes 
and we'll really dive into this in the next segment at 2.30, but sometimes you have to make a change, whether that's personnel, um, but then the glaring realization, unfortunately, that they're not very deep right now. They're not as deep as we were planning on them to be. No, no, it doesn't seem that way. There's there's guys who we thought were going to play some type of role on this team who you haven't seen really at all. So that that's a that that would be an issue with the depth because you can't. I can't tell you that Karan McPherson is going to be good and and you know add to this team because I don't. I haven't seen him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what he can offer this team. Well, and they're still planning to redshirt him as as far as we know. That was the that was the thought a couple weeks ago. Trevor Lakes was thought to add more shooting depth to this team when, when after the the exhibition with the NBA scouts and everything mm-hmm. uh came or or after that when it was said that he was hitting just about every shot and so far he's shooting like 14% or something around there uh from from three-point land for the team when he does get in the game, but even then he doesn't get in much. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just some guys on the bench who maybe you thought would get a couple minutes here and there, but they haven't seen the court really at all. 402-464-5685, Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Sarder Heyman text line. I need to shout out Kudoba guy, um, keeping me honest. He says, I hope you're not changing your expectations for this season, Nick, because I remember you yelling at all the football fans who were changing their minds on what the record should be halfway through the season. You're absolutely right. And maybe what I just said about, realistic expectations I, I should have worded it differently maybe I, I need to say um what's an a realistic outcome for this season because this team is not playing at as high of a level as we were expecting them to mm-hmm. now that's not to be said or mistaken with I'm still in that same boat where before the season and I, I just admitted it I thought they were a bubble team I also thought they were a, a program or a, a squad that gets a buy in the first day of the Big Ten tournament and I thought that was progress. That's good. That's a that constitutes a good season in my mind. Mm-hmm. Now, it's still going to be a disappointing season even if they win 15 games or not not even 15. If they if they win 10 games, it's still going to be disappointing because like like we said, the expectations talk, right? And yeah. I don't want to have that. I don't I'm not ready for that, but I I miss said I misspoke when I said Let's time to real realistic expectations. I misspoke okay, on that, but but I will I will you know step to your defense where uh, changing your expectations isn't really the issue. It's the changing your expectations and believing that oh it's still successful because they they put up a good fight. That's a good point. Changing it's- your expectations from the beginning of the season is fine, but changing your feelings about what you would consider successful. So at the beginning of the football season, mm-hmm. people were saying, oh, you know, seven, eight wins, that's a successful season. You know, I'm okay with that. And then they're sitting at three wins, but they have all these close losses, and everybody says, oh, well, it's a it's a pretty good season, and I'm okay with this because they're really close with all of these really good teams. Change your expectations from the beginning of the season from a bubble team to this team is not good is not is not the problem. Now, if you change your expectations from they're a bubble team to they don't make the bubble and you're like, "Well, they got a couple good wins here and there, so that's progress." That that would be the problem. Yeah, I think it's it's all that just saying changing your opinion on what is good enough. Yes. That's that's what I was trying to say is at the end of the day, you kind of have a feeling from what we've seen through the first 12 games that how this season's going to play out, it's not going to be okay. But now we can still assess and say, what's the realistic outcome for this program this season? That's that's what I was trying to get to. 
is what what really is a realistic outcome, not expectation, not anything like that. What's the realistic outcome for this season for this this team this season from what we've seen through 12 games? And granted, they have a full Big Ten slate ahead of them, mm-hmm. and and once they get Trey McGowan's back, I think January 15th sounds like his target date to return is. Once they once they get him back. Who knows what can happen and what that um, can do for the the amount of life injected into this team. There's a way they can turn this around. I don't know how good they can actually be as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, could they still make the NIT? It would take a hell of a winning streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's possible. I don't think it's. I mean, I don't believe it's going to happen. I I do believe that this team is good enough to get more than eight wins in this season on this schedule. Uh, I do believe they're good enough to do that. Do I think they actually will based on what I've seen so far throughout the season? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Because they're not, they're not, you know, as you said, controlling the things you can control. They're not putting in the effort to to play defense. They're not putting in the effort to grab rebounds. Well, they're their their shooting is is so lackluster that it just it boggles the mind because you're you're believing everything that the coaches are saying, everything that the players are saying, in how good of a good of a shooting team they are. Mm-hmm. But based on everything we've seen out of games, not in practices, in games, this is a terrible shooting team. And. We get this off the text line. I feel duped by you guys. You guys pumped us full of sunshine and rainbows, and this team is terrible. That comes from Hizzlebear. And what I will say is this team, I'm going to say it, they're a good shooting team, but it doesn't translate from practice to games. And that can't fall on the coaches. At some point, the players have to make shots. And, And think about this. Think about everything that has to go Nebraska's way in a basketball game for them not only to be in a position to win the game, but actually win it. I sat I sat back last night after that Kansas State game and thought about everything that happened. I, I tweeted this out also. At, at one point, K-State was 5 of 21 from 3. Nebraska wasn't being... They were, they were down... They were they were losing in the rebound column, but one of those things that we talk about is rebounds. They weren't getting demolished at that point in rebounds, and I can bring up the stat sheet here. But think about everything that has to go perfectly right. We speak about margin of error in terms of football, and it's slim. But now we're getting to that point where if you sit back and you assess the the basketball program. And just these last couple games, especially on this losing streak. Against Kansas State, a team that you felt like going in was pretty similar to Nebraska. Yeah, they have a better record, but you feel like they were pretty similar to Nebraska. And the K-State Tominaga's 3-for-13. Bryce McGowan's 4-for-14. Alonzo Verge, 7-of-14. If you sit back and you think about all these things that have to go perfectly right, Nebraska was losing at a point in the game when Kansas State was 5 of 21 from 3 and not out-rebounding Nebraska by a wide margin. They only out-rebounded Nebraska at the end of the day by 8. They had one more offensive rebound. Based on the way Nebraska has rebounded, I'd consider that a win. Yes. And I'm just sitting here thinking everything has to go perfectly right for Nebraska basketball to not only find... I mean, you you felt like when they were, when they were down by 5 towards the latter half of the second half 
you were like, man, this just seems like an in- this feels like an insurmountable lead. Mm-hmm. Not only because Nebraska was five finished five of twenty eight from deep, but you just felt like it was an insurmountable lead because you have no idea what they're trying to do on offense. You have no idea what they're trying to accomplish on offense. And I understand that that's kind of the the offensive plan for this Fred Hoiberg style, and that's okay. Like, I, I'm not I'm I'm throwing the concern for whatever style of play. I'm not trying to tell Nebraska to play a certain way. Mm-hmm. But it becomes more and more frustrating over time, time and time, time and time again, and game after game, when you see bad shots, number one, not go in. If you're going to take a bad shot, at least give it a chance at going in. Mm-hmm. If you're going to take a shot, take it, have, it a, have it a chance at going in. But time and time again, there are a group of players on this program, not just the starters, even bench guys, that will come in or shoot and allow the poor shot that they took, the quality of shot, to affect their effort on the defensive side of the ball. And my whole thing just keeps going back to if you're not an... I mean, think about Nebraska football, right? And I'm not trying to compare the two programs, but I just keep thinking about not necessarily the parallels, but how we can compare these two programs. But... Think about it. Nebraska, they understood about halfway through the season, despite them finishing 3-9, and nine, they, they kind of flipped a switch or, or even a quarter of the way through the season. They understood that they were not going to be the strongest team in the country on offense. So they embraced this leaning on our defense, and you have to give – this is one place I'll give credit to Scott Frost and the coaching staff. Think about little things like deferring to the second half, putting your defense out on the field first, Little things like that, understanding that you're not shooting the ball well, understanding that you're not able to score touchdowns in the red zone, those little things will help you develop your program and will also give your guys confidence. Think about it. If Nebraska can get a couple stops on the defensive side of the ball last night against K-State, and and yes, they hit that dagger three from almost the logo, uh, that kind of felt like a dagger, and it just kind of felt like that set that ended the game. But when you, when you just look at the things that, that Nebraska allows – not only can not only allowed Kansas State to do, but allowed themselves to do. And lack of defensive intensity is the main thing that I look at. And it's just it's frustrating game after game when you see them allow poor shot quality because they can't get anything going on offense. They allow poor shot quality to affect what they do on the defensive side of the ball. It's 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 weird how Nebraska, you know, they they were built to be a shooting team. That is that is that is what Fred Hoiberg did. They they built this team to outscore other teams. But right now, the best thing that they're the the best thing that this basketball team has is their free throw shooting. And what they do the least of is driving to the bucket to not only get fouled but get an easy layup. Mm-hmm. I watched I, I'm gonna be honest, I didn't watch the entire game last night because I got frustrated and I wanted to watch Christmas movies with the family, so I did that instead. Um, but the little bit that I did watch, Nebraska was up. Uh, and then they just the ball didn't get past the free throw line for the entire duration of the shot clock, and then somebody would just heave up a three with with a K State defender in their face, what? like the way that the offense is run. And I know Fred said he was taking you know more reins of the offense, allow it to be less free flowing, and call more plays. 
but the plays that they were running were just pass it to Derek Walker at the top, right in front of the free throw line, mm-hmm. have somebody run in front, have them hand it off. That person can't get past the K-State defender. They reset the offense, pass it to Derek Walker. He passes it to the other side, and that person takes a three with somebody in their face. They miss they, they miss the three. They don't get the rebound because nobody's down there to get the offensive rebound. They or, run back or, on or defense. It's, or it's Derek Walker going 1v4. Yeah, or it's Derek Walker trying to back somebody down and then turning around and trying to throw up a hook shot with three other people around him because they don't respect any of Nebraska's shooters. The way the offense is being run is difficult to watch because they have all these shooters out there, but the but whoever they're playing, the defense is not afraid of any of their shooters. Mm-hmm. So when they go to drive to the bucket, they've got four people around them, and they're not being aggressive enough when they go up at the 10 to draw fouls. Bryce McGowan's is insanely athletic. He's a great free throw shooter. But when he drives to the bucket, he goes up. I mean, I hate to say this because I, I, I think the world of the kid, and I think he's going to be fantastic. He goes up soft. He needs to go up stronger. He needs to get his body into somebody and not only look to make the layup, but at least draw some type of contact and force the ref to call the foul. Because this is a good, as opposed to the last couple of Nebraska teams, this team shoots free throws really well. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing they can say that they do really well. But what they're doing is they're trying to force up threes, especially when the shots stop, stop falling. They're forcing up threes with hands in their faces because they're thinking, okay, if I can make this, it'll get everybody going. And then you go back to, to, to Alonzo Verge, and he's like, all right, I can't pass out of this when he's driving to the lane yeah. because nobody's making shots. So he's got to force something up, and he's six foot going or, against six seven, six eight guys, mm-hmm. and he's getting, he's getting beat up down low, and there's no fouls getting called because, again, he's going up soft. Also, part of that is guys aren't moving. There is when, zero movement. When, when Alonzo Verge doesn't or does drive and tries and looks to pass out, mm-hmm. everybody's just covered because they're just sitting there. And they're Here, also not on the same wavelengths. There was a point where Alonzo was driving off of off of a Derrick Rose or Derrick Rose off of a Derrick Walker let's hope. screen, and he was he was going to the bucket, and then he kind of cut out a little bit. C.J. Wilcher was in the corner; his man was off of him, but he went to cut baseline. And he would have had a wide-open layup, mm-hmm. but Alonzo thought he was going to stay in the corner, pass to the corner, turnover. Yeah, and one thing that I, I will push back a little bit, um, not just on what you said, but just in general about um, you, you need to find guys' strengths. And you can't ask guys to do things that they're not best at, right? They're asking all these guys to do so much every single time down the floor. And this goes back to my whole thought is you can't just throw a ton of guys out there and expect it to work, expect mm-hmm. it to mesh. And that's that's kind of seems to be the problem, right? No point guard, no true point guard. You've got a scoring guard. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that Nebraska can't figure out a way to win, but through the last couple games, they can't find a way to score and they can't find a way to work together to to either have scoring on the offensive side or limit scoring on the defensive side. I mean, think back to what I just said about having all, and, and I'll say this before we got to take a break and we'll, we'll continue this conversation on the other side. Cause we have a lot of your texts to get through 402-464-5685. But like I said, just think about everything that has to go Nebraska's way for them to stay in the ball game. And, and let me just read these stats for you. These are K state's stats from last night. 39% from the field, 23 of 59 shooting six of 26 from deep for K-State, 23% from beyond the arc for Kansas State. They shot 83% from the free throw line, 15 of 18. They had two more turnovers than you did, and they out-rebounded you by eight. Okay, we knew the out-rebound part was going to happen. 
they had three fewer steals than you did. They had the same amount of blocks as Nebraska did. Three. So you see, you read those those lines, those stats, and you they think had five more fouls. You think you think like this. All right, if you're if you're not looking at the scoreboard, you don't see all the points, everything like that. If you're just looking at those numbers, you think, okay, Nebraska, they just have to shoot around thirty five percent from three or from the field because you know they're a three point shooting team. Oh, Kansas State shot twenty three percent, six of twenty six. You feel like Nebraska should shoot better than that. Okay, fifteen to eighteen, they got they got to the free throw line quite a bit. Oh, they had two more turnovers than Nebraska. Great. Oh, they didn't out rebound us too bad. But then you look at Nebraska. 19 of 58 from the field, 5 of 28 from beyond the arc, and 68% from the free throw line. Like I said, you forced two more turnovers than, than you committed. You had you got doubled up in points off turnovers. Doubled up. K-State scored 22 points off of turnovers. You scored 11. Now, part of that is a lack of transitional offense. Part of that also is guys that were trailing to shoot threes couldn't hit a shot while they're trailing. And you go, okay, nine offensive rebounds compared to Kansas State's 10? Okay, second chance points. You didn't do very well in that department either. And you you had nine assists. Nebraska did. There, there are ways that, I mean, you finished the game one of your last eight. You didn't score a field goal in the last three minutes and 22 seconds of the ball game. We thought the scoring drafts would be over. The The amount of things that need to happen for Nebraska to not only stay in the game and stay competitive every single time out against a very mediocre Kansas State team, a team that, once again, understands that it's not a good shooting program, so they play with defensive intensity. You need everything to go right, right now for Nebraska. To stay, just stay competitive. Because you could argue that towards the last three minutes and 22 seconds of the game, right? They were not competitive. And and it's really, really frustrating. We'll continue this conversation on the other side. Let's go ahead and take a break. 402-464-5685. Keep sending your thoughts. We'll get to those next on the Happy Hour. Follow Nick and Enrique on Twitter at Nick underscore Sainert and at Radio Rico AC. More of Happy Hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. 